Hello, I'm Ivan, and welcome to this week's episode of the Amber Light Public Speaking Podcast. This is episode 14, the three-part speech structure. Before we start, I just wanted to let you know that you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes as well as Stitcher, SoundCloud and all good podcasting applications. Putting up a glowing review on any of those would really help promote the show. Unlike other podcasts, there is no sponsor for Amberlite. The primary way to support it is to buy the Amberlite Speech Timer app for iPhone and iPad. With this app, you can practice your speeches and ensure they run to time, and you can also use it to time speakers at your Toastmasters or debating club. This week, the product has just had a small but very important update, and you'll see that it looks really handsome, much like me. Also, it's not expensive, so head over to amberlightapp.com. That's amberlightapp.com to read more about it and watch some demo videos. The link is in the show notes. If you don't have an iPad or an iPhone, or you can't spare any cash at the moment, I'll talk about some other ways you can support the podcast at the end of the episode. Now, on with the show. Aladdin had three wishes. The wolf tried to blow down the homes of the three little pigs. Goldilocks tried three bowls of porridge and three beds in the home of the three bears. One of the great mysteries of humanity is our obsession with the number three. Here's a theory. As you may have heard, there are tribes that don't have much need for maths, so the numbering system that they have has three numbers. One, two, many. So there may be an argument that says this proves human brains are naturally inclined to think in threes. Or maybe it's because we're all pattern-seeking machines. Our brains are quite simple, really. We see something happen once, we think nothing of it. We see it twice and we think, hang on, this might be a pattern. We see it three times and we think, oh, that's definitely a pattern. And this is great for storytellers because it means they can subvert the pattern the third time. The wolf can't blow down the last house. The last of the three bears' beds isn't empty like the others are. Or maybe three is special because it's as much as the human attention span can endure. If the story had been about the four little pigs, it would have been much more boring. Do we really want a pig who's built his house out of polystyrene just so that can be blown away by the big bad wolf as well? Probably not. This is all to say that we know a three-part structure works well. We can theorise why, but that doesn't matter too much. The important thing is that it does work. Advice 1. What is a three-part structure? So the first thing to work out is how many parts a three-part structure has. Three? No, that would be far too simple. No, it, it has five. An introduction, three parts, and a conclusion. Now, not every speech should have a three-part structure. As a rule of thumb, if your speech is meant to inform or persuade, then a three-part structure is perhaps your best approach. A warning, though, it doesn't work so well for entertaining or inspirational speeches, which usually function better as a story or a journey. 
basic idea of a three-part structure is if you're arguing or persuading, you can set out your case and use your three key parts to bolster your argument. If you're educating people, then three main concepts is about as much as anyone will absorb, obviously depending on the complexity. The other great thing about three-part structure is that it's simple, flexible, and it works 99% of the time. It's a great addition to your public speaking toolbox. Advice two, how best to use a three-part structure. First things first, how should we approach the intro and the conclusion? I was watching a documentary recently about the legal system here in the UK, and a barrister was discussing his strategy for his summing up at the end of the trial. He said, I'm going to tell them what I'm going to tell them, then I'm going to tell them, then I'll tell them what I just told them. I love that quote. This approach may sound horribly repetitive, but it is very effective. Remember that your audience are not computers awaiting input, but human beings with wandering attention spans and other things on their minds. Even if you do a great job of capturing their attention, they're still going to drift occasionally. You also need to bear in mind that your audience members all learn at different speeds, especially if some of them know a little about what you're talking about and others know nothing. A bit of repetition allows you to ram home the core message, even if some of your audience have lost some of the details. Let's just briefly go over the function of the introduction and conclusion, because it's not as obvious as some folk might think. The job of your introduction is twofold. Firstly, to make the audience care so they know why they should listen to you for the next few minutes. And secondly, to map out your speech so they can easily follow along what's happening. It may be tempting to start by saying, hello everyone, today I'm going to argue that cabbage is both tasty and nutritious. That's a pretty weak start. Instead, start with something that will grab their attention. What if I was to tell you there is a food that if you ate it every week, you would live five years longer? You'd all want to eat it, wouldn't you? I'm talking about cabbage, and today I'm going to tell you why we should all eat more of it. By the way, I have no idea if cabbage will make you live five years longer, as I just made that up. Anyway, your introduction is important, because if you don't grab everyone's attention early on, then they'll likely just switch off and start staring at their smartphones. The job of your conclusion is also twofold. Firstly, to summarise what you've just said, and secondly, to make your argument as forcefully and concisely as you can. Your conclusion is the bit the audience is most likely to remember, as it's the last bit they'll hear, so make it count. All your most quotable lines go here. All of your most powerful rhetoric goes here. All your most powerful arguments go here. So that's the introduction and conclusion. What should your three sections be? In theory, they can be anything you like. Argumentation, anecdotes poems, anything. It's probably quicker to say what you should try to avoid. Firstly, be aware of time. Unless you've got loads of time within which to speak, you are unlikely to have time for free, substantial anecdotes. 
It's a mistake that occurs time and again where speakers use a three-part structure and just try to cram in far too much. Next, be aware of your purpose. As I said earlier, the three-part structure works best when you're trying to persuade or inform. So write down, in the simplest form possible, what it is you need your audience to think or remember when the speech is over. Now your three sections must all serve that goal. If you have anecdotes, then the only part of those anecdotes that matter are the parts that serve the goal. If you're making an argument, it must serve the goal. Don't allow yourself to get distracted with things that don't matter to the core purpose just because they amuse you or make you look smart. Be single-minded. Purpose is everything. If you're still not sure what your free part should be, then here's a few ideas for you. If your speech is informational or educational, then you might want to think of the six classic questions. Who, what, why, when, where, how. That's more than three questions, obviously, but you can probably conflate a few of them. I would suggest you start writing answers to those questions. And once you have, you'll probably find that this suggests the three parts that you need for your speech. If your speech is to persuade, then you might want to use a structure suggested by Aristotle. Division, proof, refutation. With division, you lay out where you and your opposition agree and disagree. With proof, you state the evidence that supports your case. With refutation, you refute the arguments. For example, if I was going to boil this technique down to a few sentences, I could say the following in support of Shakespeare being taught in English classes in our schools. So, let's start with division. I agree with my opponent that Shakespeare is sometimes opaque for modern audiences, but I disagree that this is reason enough to exclude him from our English syllabus. Proof. It should be remembered that Shakespeare originated many words in modern English, such as addiction, eventful, and swagger. And he originated many of our phrases, such as cold comfort, heart of gold, and laughing stock. Refutation. We don't send children to school to learn things they already know. Just because something is hard to learn doesn't mean we should abandon it. If that was the case, our science labs would have been closed long ago. Advice free. Presentation. When you present a three-part structure, you should ensure a clear delineation between each section. If you don't clearly set out each section, you risk the audience becoming confused as they won't be able to tell when one section ends and another begins. You can do this several ways. Leave clear gaps between each section. Don't, don't be afraid to pause for a few seconds. This is the simplest and most obvious way to mark out each section. Another method is to clearly enumerate each section with your fingers while counting out. You can say point one and hold one finger up and then do the same for points two and three. You can also use props. If each section can be represented by a prop, then taking that prop out of a bag and holding it up as you talk about it makes it clear what's being discussed. This could also work with slides or flip charts. 
Finally, another method is to use a separate part of the stage for each section. Stand on the left for part 1, centre for part 2, and right for part 3. All in all, I think you'll find that the three-part structure can be a really useful technique for structuring your speech and making it really clear to the audience what you're trying to get across to them. I hope you found that useful. And if you did, then please spend a moment to support this podcast. As mentioned before, you can buy the Amberlight Speech Timer app by going to amberlightapp.com. That's amberlightapp.com. Additionally, there is a Twitter account, Amberlight App. Consider following the account and retweeting some of the tweets there, especially about either the app or the podcast. Amberlight is also on LinkedIn, Google+, and Facebook, so some likes on there would be really great too. That's all for this episode. I look forward to catching up with you again on the next episode. All the best. Bye.